This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. from Flag is Up Farms. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm at Flyover Farm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 22nd, episode 2772. Good morning, horse people. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. I am so pleased to have dear friend Debbie Lauks as the host of me this morning. Hi. She is a host of Horsemanship Radio here on the Horse Radio Network. And, you know, she, her dad's kind of a big deal. But to <laughs> me, Debbie, you're the big deal. You oh, keep things running. Well, there's always there's always somebody like a on a hamster wheel thing <laughs> in <laughs> the back the power going <laughs> yeah exactly because he's chill and he doesn't have to worry about that stuff what yeah. is behind every great man is an even greater woman we all know that and that's your you daughter. and your mom yeah, and uh, you're a woman great. you count um so yeah. what is happening at flag is up farms right now oh my gosh we have the advanced course going on you know what that looks like it's oh cool. so fun and so scary <laughs> i know right each person has their project horse, and it was really cute because we have we have boys in this one. Jamie, what boys in the class? We have Hollister and Reuben, and it was cute this morning. Uh, this morning, go, you go down there real early in the morning before they start feeding, and I want to check out all the the gentlers, you know, the wild ones. We've got some great Mustangs, and we've got some feral horses down there. But it was really cute. There was like a couple of gates open, and I'm like, "Where are the horses?" And there, here comes Reuben and Hollister walking past. You know where the compost is, way in the back side of the back corner of the property. Yes. Yeah. Here they come, little kites on a string. You know, <laughs> got these two feral horses. One's named Heathen, but he was actually pretty chill. And then another one, actually, I can't remember. Tia, I think her name is, and uh, she's all fired up because there were deer crossing, and there was tractors starting to start up and very cool. The advanced course is just so cool here. Be, you know, you have to earn it. So anybody listening, you have to get through your intro and then intro exams. But do you remember your first little project horse? I do. So when you get to the advanced course, there are a bunch of gentlers. Uh, gentlers just means basically wild horses Yep. Um, that you have to touch, and then the, the, so these were some gentlers. Uh, yeah, that's right. They were all pretty wild, and you have to start them, and, the, and they draw names, and you get a project horse drawing a name out of a hat, and it becomes mm -hmm. your project horse for the entire three weeks that you're there. And, of course, my project horse was a little black. God, she was gross. She's so gross. She was a mess, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, she was a mess because they came out of a rescue uh, up in, it was a feral herd up in Northern California. And so slowly but surely they were bringing horses down to be gentled at Flag is Up and Precious. They named her Precious, but it had to be an opposite type of name because <laughs> she was, she was gross. Like I yeah. was like, she feels weird to touch. Like there's something wrong with her. <laughs> so ended up, of course, you know, Precious became 
because like, I couldn't leave her there. I needed her. Because why wouldn't I need a 13 two-hand black pony, Debbie? I mean, Perfect. why wouldn't I? Yeah. So I ended up taking her home, and Lucas named her Precious Magic Gallop Jennings. And uh, it ensued. So tiny. Yes. For a tiny horse. Yeah. But but tell the end of the story, because it it is so precious. It is really cool. So I had her for about a year. And there, I, I'm constantly trying to do new things in the horse world that I haven't done before. Some people remember my uh, foray into endurance where I have nothing but respect for all you crazy people. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I've got a pony. And I, I started riding her. We got her under saddle, got her going. She was, sorry, she was jumping fences and doing great. And then I thought I need to learn to drive. So I think it was my birthday and Chad's like, what do you want yeah. for your birthday? That's right. I want a pony cart. <laughs> Why are you so weird? <laughs> so I got a pony cart. I got a harness. I hired somebody to teach me how to hook it all up. And and uh, I taught her to drive as much as I could without a cart. And then I had somebody, a professional, come in and help me get her hooked up and going. And uh, that's when I realized I didn't want to drive. Yeah. You, you were scared. Terrifying. Yeah. I, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny how you could just step out of some comfort zone that we have. I don't know what your comfort zone is. You you are pretty far out there usually anyway, but to to feel so out of control behind the, the horse. That's interesting. It is a helpless feeling for sure. And people that drive are laughing at me and that's fine. Yeah. But I I I'm like what I, all I have is reins and I can't turn them in a circle, can't run them in a fence, so be, be, yeah. I don't know what to do. And yeah. so um my driving career was very short-lived, but I can check that off my bucket yeah. list. Right. So everybody has their project horses and everybody's doing well. Yeah, everybody is really happy. I mean, we've got Denise over here from Germany. Like, that's a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> we kissed no the ground kidding. and kissed her face. And it was great to have her back. Um, she had to take a side detour for two weeks into Dominican Republic, Punta Cana specifically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's, she's our master instructor for the three weeks. And then another three weeks because we have so many people queued up for the advanced that we have three weeks and then three weeks. So six weeks straight of project horses. Isn't that fun? That is awesome. Well, how exciting. So yeah, after you do the advanced course, I mean, it is everything from, you know, learning how to gentle wild horses to all the tips and tricks and behaviors and all the yeah. things that happen. Um, and then after that, you come back for the exam and then an internship and, 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 you know, you have to do the exam in front of the man himself and, have yep. him score you, and it's yeah. pretty terrifying. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> you did fine. Well, obviously, it worked. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to uh, doing some daily winnies, and then we'll get to talking all about. Well, I got to tell you about my my yeah my fun mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. I want to hear. Well, Glenn is gone, but he gets to have a um, daily Winnie as usual. And we would like Aww. to say happy birthday to Anna Biffle, Janet Howe, and Alexandra Kerr. So congratulations and happy birthday, everybody. Thanks for being auditors. Well, I'm glad that I read something this morning, so I wanted to use it as my daily Winnie. It's called uh, an article by Fran Jurga, um, who's who's been around animal welfare 
my whole life. I she's I been on her show a ton. Yeah. Has she? Yeah, yeah, she's great. Well, she worked uh, up an article about the British vet school. So it's over in England, seeking evidence-based welfare standard for X-race horses in equine assisted services. Pretty cool. So the University of Bristol, of course it is, uh, veterinary school in England is going to develop an international and evidence-based, she reads this, welfare standard for retired racehorses selected to play future roles in the growing equine-assisted field. So the it, the vet school has a new PhD program, Jamie, and they're going to work with this British charity called Racing to Relate, and they're collaborating so that it'll be funded by a foundation. And I think it's the first, I haven't read anything like this, where it's the first of its kind to study horses in the equine assisted services, but to actually kind of match the, the horse, and they're all going to be thoroughbreds, with the ability to be an equine assisted service horse. So I, I think, you know, anytime we put this on the radar and we are building jobs up for horses, it's going to be a good thing. I, you know, I, yeah, I think they're, they're on the map now for equine assisted therapy is pretty common now. I think most people know about it. The trouble is you think you have to have a 20 year old, you know, uh, had three careers already kind of really, really quiet horse. Not true. It's the sensitive ones. And I think that's when I read the whole article It's the sensitivity of the thoroughbreds. And you know this from your retired racehorse um, a show, too. People should listen to your podcast for that, too, because the the ability of those horses to do so many things, this is going to prove their ability to do the equine-assisted therapy as well. So It I'll is true. I do find that, you know, a lot of the hotter-type horses make better demo horses. Add mm. flag is up when I'm doing join-ups or something because they are so sensitive and they're so new to it that, you know, they're, they're finally discovering somebody speaking their language in the, in the join-ups. And so it is interesting to think about about using retired racehorses doing it. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Now, because Glenn made me do the birthdays, and I love <laughs> you guys, but I get my own daily winnie. Yay! Okay, good. Okay, well, it's kind of, I guess it's a daily winnie, but it's kind of an anti-daily winnie. I just wanted to tell the story, to be honest. So I went and picked <laughs> up a horse in Guthrie, Oklahoma, from the Horse and Hound Rescue Foundation. It's okay. time to pick up a new one. One got adopted. Yay. Yeah, so I took her back. And so I had an open spot. So I said, send one more. So they send this mare. And here's her deal is she was, they call it track, not, not track trained. So she lived at home and she was put in the trailer, driven to the track, got out, trained, got back in the trailer, went home, oh. went to the track, got out, ran, 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 got back in, went to the track, raced, got back in the trailer. So as you can imagine, uh, and I've had one other horse like this, traveling with them is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. I because it's like, oh, my God, I'm gonna, I got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. I just got chills. Ah, poor thing. It's, it's really tough. My, my old horse, Edward, was like that. And I had to take him 600 places before he finally realized that was not part of life anymore. <laughs> and so I put this mare in the trailer. And she loads great. Hops right in. I close up the trailer. And she starts banging. I mean, banging striking, kicking, just going, trying to spin circles. And I'm like, I gotta go, gotta go. So I get in the car and I'm driving. And there's one part where you're going up a hill 
and you're about to, there's one light before you merge onto the freeway. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm going up the hill Uh-oh. and I, there was a car in front of me. And I remember oh. going, God, they're going so slow. I need to accelerate to get up the hill and then onto the freeway. Uh-huh. Debbie, I got pulled over Oh, going no. up the hill. I thought there's no way he's coming after me. I wasn't <laughs> speeding and I'm stuck behind this car. I was going too slow and he needed to go up the hill and accelerate. He pulls me over and he comes to the door. And of course I roll down the window and I'm really respectful and I've got my license and I hand it over. And as he's talking to me, I'm butching forward and back and moving. <laughs> the trailer is rocking. On the she road. is rocking this trailer. It is 90 plus degrees outside. Okay. Oh. And the trailer is rocking back and forth. And he's like, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, officer. I don't know what I did. And he was like, you were speeding. And I'm like, I'm going up a hill to merge onto a freeway with a truck and trailer. I, I don't think I was speeding. I clocked at 62 and it's a 55. Oh. Wait, is it 50? Oh, and I was going 62. So I was going 12 over apparently going up a hill, which I don't think I was. Cause I remember complaining about also the person in front of me was going, cause I'm trying to merge up a hill into a freeway. And I was like, I don't mean to be, you know, as I'm pushing forward and sideways and back and he's standing there. It looks like, I mean, somebody's jumping in a truck bed. Yeah. I'm like, I don't mean to be whatever, but I got a fairly wild horse in the back and I, I need to get her to where uh, she's going in. It's also quite hot. And he was like, okay, what do you do? I, I train <laughs> wild horses yeah. to the back of the trailer. He goes down to his car and again, yeah. it's full sun. 90 degrees, you know, usually if I'm driving the trailers ventilated enough, you know, I've had temperature gauges in there, but when it, you're stopped, uh-huh. it gets hot in there. And so I, and, and she's losing her gourd, right? Yeah. So I go to the, I have to stand on the side of the freeway, Debbie, and I'm like talking to this mayor and trying to get her to stop banging and pawing and everything as yeah. he is in the back, writing me a ticket. No. So he Not comes back up. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I get back in the truck and he's like, here's your ticket. We'll see you in court. Hope you have a better day. I'm like, you're so rude. A jerk. Like I, I was like, fine. Okay. Yeah, fine. Daily winning. Yeah. As, as an anti-daily winning, <laughs> <laughs> an undaily winning, a daily <laughs> unwinning. There you go. That is so mean. Sorry, officer. If you can hear this, you're probably not listening, but he's praise not because he's not a horse person, but really, I just no compassion, no empathy. What did he think? And then somebody on my Facebook page, cause I posted it, attacked me. Like you should have been more respectful to the horse and the trailer, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and I was like, but I wasn't speeding. <laughs> Leave me alone. Oh. There's nothing worse than a situation where you, you have no options as a truck and the person's. Have you ever had somebody actually stop on the on ramp? I've had that happen before too. Oh. They actually stop on the on ramp to look backwards. Excuse me, this is where you speed up. Go, go, go. Yeah, go, go, no, go, go, go. there's so yeah. many times I had somebody stop on the freeway to try to, they had to get over two lanes to the right. So they just stopped. Oh, like, sure. I, like it's yeah. their world. We're all just living in it. But it's so helpless to be on the side of the road with a horse and a trailer freaking out while the police have pulled you over. I was so helpless and so fraught with, and I was like, oh my God, if I get out of this truck and I walk back to the trailer, is he going to like think I'm like resisting arrest? (laughs) I don't know. 
You're pulling something out of that chat room. Or <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm just so calming the horse. I mean, the so trailer w- and truck were bouncing. It was so bad. So, meanwhile, get the horse home. She unloads. She runs around for like two minutes and she's like, oh, okay. So I'm doing what your dad told me. And every day I'm putting her in the trailer, driving around the block and coming back and unloading her. <laughs> that's yeah. just part of her training. That's good. That, yeah. That's the only way she's going to get through it. You might avoid that part of the road trip, though. I don't yes. Know. I'll stay in my neighborhood. Uh, stay in your neighborhood. <laughs> drive, around the, drive my turn around driveway four or five times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything. Anything. That's well, good. I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you. Well, it's good to be here. We're going to actually talk to Monty coming up in just a minute with a listener and auditor questions that people have and maybe some of my own questions. But first, we are going to hear from Dr. Joe Lyman of Neogen Corporation to talk to us about botulism and horses. This is taken out from a 2018 Hit'em episode, but, you know, it hasn't gone away. So anyway, we're going to hear from him. But this health segment is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. And we have our guest on the line, Dr. Joe Lyman of the Neogen Corporation, to talk a little bit about, good morning, everybody, delicious botulism and horses. (laughs) Hi, Dr. Lyman. Hi, how are you? Uh, we are doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, um, I guess talking, you know, I, I was from the South, and then I moved somewhere that fed round bales. And everybody said, oh, if your horse is eating from a round bale, it needs a botulism vaccine. First of all, let's talk, what is botulism? Because it's kind of like what Hollywood celebrities inject into their wrinkles, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, (laughs) Botox is uh, botulinum neurotoxin type A. I never knew Uh, that. The type that. Yeah. Uh, the type that usually affects horses is botulinum neurotoxin type B. Okay, uh, that's the, good. The vast majority <laughs> of cases in the U.S. are type B. So it's it's not exactly the same, but it is coming from the same bacterium uh, called Clostridium botulinum. Uh, wow. And it, that bacteria is all over the world. Uh, and in certain conditions, when the, the bacteria starts to grow, it, it produces this toxin. And the, the toxin is actually what affects horses and, and causes paralysis in them. Uh, so the the horses that are affected by botulism end up getting what they call a flaccid paralysis, where they just get weak and can no longer stand up. And uh, over time, it actually compromises the respiratory muscles and they can't breathe. Um, when you say over time, so first let's go back to the to the round bells. Is that somewhere you would find the botulism bacteria, or was that somebody just selling me something? No, uh, that's actually considered the classic risk factor. Uh, I went to school in Illinois where botulism isn't quite as common, and we were taught the same thing, that uh, if you feed round bales, you vaccinate for botulism, and that was pretty much the entire uh, uh, lecture on equine botulism. Okay. Uh, but the reason for that is that the bacteria is what they call an anaerobic bacteria. It grows where there's not much oxygen present. And where the temperature is high. So when you think of the center of a wet round bale, where it's highly compressed and that uh, uh, hay starts to ferment, you get the conditions for growth of the bacterium. And so that's why it's the classic risk, risk factor. 
But okay. uh, we hear about cases of botulism associated with just about every possible feed source, including even uh, grass clippings that are left on fields after they've been mowed. So uh, while round bales are the classic risk factor, they're certainly not the only way that a, a horse can get botulism. So in endemic areas, uh, type B botulism is particularly prevalent in the Ohio Valley, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, and then up the mid-Atlantic states. Uh, in those real hotbeds, pretty much every horse should be vaccinated for botulism, whether they're on round bales or not. Okay, so how does that, how does a vaccine like that work? Uh, the vaccine is basically the toxin that has been uh, distorted a little bit, so it doesn't act on the horse, but it's enough to trigger an immune response. And uh, the horses that have been vaccinated, then if, when they do encounter the toxin, the toxin gets bound by antibodies and doesn't actually act on uh, on the nerves of the horse. So um, the vaccine's been around for over 30 years, highly effective vaccine. So certainly uh, any horse at risk should be vaccinated for it. And so is it just a once a year? Is it every couple months? Is it one, one and done? How's it work? Uh, it's three doses to start, uh, but then after that primary series, it's just a once a year booster. Any, any uh, side effects to it? Uh, no, it's a, it's a nice, clean vaccine. It's like any other vaccine. There's always a, a risk anytime you put something foreign in a horse that you'll get a uh, injection reaction or something like that. But it's extremely low risk. Uh, you know, it, it's certainly lower than the risk of uh, death from botulism in, in the horses that uh, have exposure. So uh, certainly a, a worthwhile thing to do. And this, as a, as a as a horse person who has been a radio person, I remember a time, Glenn. This is it's awesome. So I I worked in Atlanta, and a person came in to do uh what what get the wrinkles. What's that called? Uh, yeah, Botox. Botox. There we go. So so uh, they came in to do Botox live in the studio on any of us who wanted it, and I was like, what is what is Botox? What? And they were like, oh, it's botulism. And I was like, no, <laughs> I vaccinate my horses for that. It's like, why would you inject that in your face? <laughs> and it does cause paralysis in the people. It, it does. In fact, uh, the neurotoxin, botulinum neurotoxin, is considered to be the single most potent toxin in the world. Um, so it's uh, it's certainly something I won't put in my face. It's, I don't want that anywhere near my eyeballs or my breathing apparatus. Um, yeah, no, you. not at all. So how often, did we cover how often the vaccine is? Uh, yeah, it's a yearly booster uh, after the initial series. The initial series is three doses, each one uh, one month apart. And should every horse have one? What? The AAP considers botulism what's called a risk-based uh, disease. So basically, you should discuss with your veterinarian whether your horse is at risk and appropriate candidate for vaccination. Um, my personal feeling is, yeah, every horse should be vaccinated. And the reason for that is... Uh, the classic risk factors that we talk about, those round bales and, and uh, endemic states like Tennessee and Kentucky, um, Pennsylvania is another classic state for botulism. Um, 
you know, we think about those as the areas where those horses have to be vaccinated. But uh, we get reports every year of horses in non-endemic areas, and that's because hay is shipped all around the country. The hay might be produced in an endemic area and shipped to a non-endemic area, or you have horses that are shipping from uh, their home base to other showgrounds and not necessarily having control over their feed supply the entire time they're out, uh, especially racehorses shipping around the country. So, you know, the the consequences of botulism in an unvaccinated horse is almost always death. And in that case, in my mind, it's always worth the prevention rather than uh, running the risk of exposure. Now, the one of the things I've seen people do, and these are usually backyard horse owners that don't know a lot, uh, they will take grass clippings and uh, pour them over the fence for their, rake them up, pour them over the fence for the horse to eat. Is that a botulism issue there? I mean, you always hear, don't do that. Is that a botulism issue or a different issue? Uh, number of issues, but botulism is one of them. Okay. Uh, in fact, there's a case uh, uh, reported in the news in California where uh, state park had done a bunch of mowing right next to a horse facility, and some visitors to the state park fed those horses the grass clippings, uh, and all three of them died. Wow. Okay, Jamie, oh. do not, if you're back here, back. do not mow the lawn where those people were throwing your ha- the hay over with, you know, just as a prank to your horse. Yeah. Maybe don't mow the lawn right beside it or they're going to be throwing grass clippings over next. So, yeah, you know, I live in the desert, Glenn. Mowing the lawn okay. is not a problem here. <laughs> not in Phoenix. It's not a problem in Phoenix. <laughs> not in Phoenix. It's not a problem. Where Dr. Lyman lives, it's definitely an issue. Now, you're in you're in Lexington, Dr. Lyman? That's correct. Okay. And now tell us a little bit about the corporation and then is this something that people get from the vets? Can they buy it themselves and give it? What's the the story? Yeah, well, Neogen's an animal health and a a food safety company. We've got two uh, basic divisions, one based in Lansing that does primarily the food safety and then the animal health and safety divisions based in Lexington. Uh, We've been making the botulism vaccine for over 30 years now and uh, protected an awful lot of horses with it. It is available through your veterinarians. We always recommend that the vaccines be given by the veterinarians uh, so that they get the correct dosing over the first three initial series and then yearly boosters thereafter. All right. Very good. Well, we appreciate you coming on and talking about this delightful topic for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having us. And I'm happy to be joined by Janet Geyer, the mad scientist behind Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds. And she's going to explain to us why there are no pellets in her horse feed. So if you open yourself up a bag of Daily Dose Equine Horse Feed, it's going to look a little different. And I want to know why. Well, first of all, we decided not to make any pellets out of our horse feed. And the reason is, is that pellets are typically made of wheat. Um, and to make a pellet, you need to basically extrude the horse feed. So it's a processing issue. So if you want to have basically a whole food that's not so processed, you wouldn't want to make a pellet. So that's one reason. Another reason is, is that pellets often hide the ingredients that are in there. They can hide taste, and uh, they can certainly hide ingredients, and you really don't know what's in there. Um, with our feed, we want you to see all the ingredients. So we've made a textured feed, and sometimes we grind it up, and sometimes it does look a little powdery. Um, but the reason for that is we want to mix 
the vitamins and minerals thoroughly in the product without creating more processing. So that is the reason why we do not use pellets. And the reason we don't use wheat is because wheat has been linked to a lot of health issues. So we want to stay away from modern wheat. We want to stay away from uh, the glyphosate that is or used to grow the modern wheat and uh, make it a lot more simple. So you mechanically alter some of the ingredients by grinding them up. But that is very, very we different do. than creating a pellet, which is, which requires heat and pressure. It does, exactly. There, there we go. So, so that, that makes a big difference. So when you open up that bag of Daily Dose Equine Horse Feed, and it looks a little different, there's an important reason. Because there's an important reason for everything that Janet does to her horse feeds. And our goal here is to quiz her about as many of those as we can. And if you want to learn more about Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds or find a retailer near, near you, just go to www.dailydoseequine.com. Or if you want to purchase some directly online and get fast and convenient shipping, just go to Chewy.com. And I think it's six six of the different horse feed formulas are on there now? Correct. There we go. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Debbie, it's, yes, that time of the week where, you know, how this started was I would see a news story and I was like, huh, that's weird. So I started compiling them and all of a sudden I had a bunch of weird news segments and I would the next week see a bunch of weird news stories and put them together. Well, now I've asked all, all of our listeners to email me weird news stories. If you are looking at the news, no judgment where you're getting your news from. Okay. If you're looking at your news and you think, oh, my God, that's really weird, email it to me. Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Put weird news in the subject line. Hopefully spell weird correctly because uh, then I can't find it later. So yeah. weird news in the subject line. <laughs> and uh, then I will use your stories. Now, stories were emailed to me by Alicia, Rochelle, April, Laureen, Allie, oh. Michelle, and Danielle. And all of y'all, I, I, I wish I could get to all of them, but they're so good. And some of y'all sent me the same ones. I'm so excited. We're gonna start with um. Let's go to let's go to Liverpool, Debbie. Okay, that's right. That's there's a lot of weirdness in. <laughs> Weird oh. things happen in other countries, not just Florida not and Oklahoma. Just, yeah. <laughs> so this guy named Jonathan Lewis, he he bought a new house. He was so excited. He bought a new house in Walton, Liverpool, and you know it was almost like a Harry Potter. There's a there's a staircase. But it was underneath, like the stairs went up and underneath was like boarded up to be a room. Like it looked like it was a closet, but there's no door to the closet. And he's like, Hmm. I'm going to figure out what is in there. So he takes a hammer and he hits a bam, like starts hitting a hole through the the plaster, you know, and he's banging on it and he gets a hole and he peeks in the hole and he sees a doll. Ooh. A doll. Oh, your favorite. Your favorite. Clowns and dolls. In the dark. Ew. And the, this this doll sitting in the dark is sitting on a tiny little chair. And she has a note. Ew. That's right. <laughs> he bangs up under his stairwell and there's a freaking doll sitting in there in the dark with a note. Would you like Ooh. to hear what the note said? Yes. It's in, it's it's handwritten. Okay. Um, and it says... Dear reader slash new house owner, 
Thank you for freeing me. Oh. My name is Emily. My original owners lived in this house in 1961. I didn't like them, so Ew. they had to go. All um, they All they did was sing and be merry and it was sickening. <laughs> You're joking. Stabbing was my choice of death for them. So I hope you have knives. Hope you oh. sleep well, Emily. Oh. <gasps> what? Burn True. it down. Burn it down. There are photos of the doll and photos of the note. The, the, uh, the, it's in the Daily Mail. And it says new homeowner is shocked to find a rag doll boarded up in a wall cavity, clutching a note saying she killed a family who lived there in the oh, 1960s. So I couldn't even board it up. You'd have to burn it. You're right. Burn it down. Burn it down. He actually said, he said, some of my friends have told me to put the house back on the market yeah, and move. Right. <laughs> but he said, I just had a laugh. And I guess the, he, the letter says 1961, but the real estate agent is like, no, no, no. This house was redone in, in five years ago. Oh. <laughs> and it was on notebook paper that did not look very old. So, so he thinks that it was all a joke. So if you did that. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I always thought the UK humor was a little different, you know? I, <laughs> I, I, I murdered the family that lived here and I've hid myself <laughs> under the closet. All these the years. Closet. All these years. All these years waiting. 1961. Okay. Yeah. That is weird. Okay. I, I, See? I. See? It's a weird news okay, story. Who gets, do you get credit for that? Who gets credit for that? You know who gets credit for it are the people that sent these in, but I don't say who sent me what, because okay. I don't feel like it's right for me to be sharing where people get their weird news. <laughs> so they <laughs> no, get, get no it. credit. It just, it just job well done. Um, now this one um, is interesting and people love to send you. Usually I have a, a lot of Florida news stories because you know, it's Florida. Uh, but Recently, I've been getting an influx of Oklahoma weird news stories, and this one definitely counts. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. His name is Kevion Hooks, okay? And he was arrested for armed robbery. And I guess he he, he saw a, a guy and went up to him and said, give me your backpack. And so the victim gave him his backpack, and he said, what's in here and how much is it worth? Yeah. The guy's like, I don't, I don't know. He's like, and give me your leg. What? <laughs> he stole the victim's prosthetic, prosthetic leg. No. He took his backpack. Desperate. And his leg and then proceeded to ask how much the leg is worth. Ew. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just because he didn't want the guy to chase him. No, he wanted no. to sell his leg. Aww. That's a weird news story. So apparently he took off and um, the gentleman who was now one-legged called the police yeah. and the police found Kevion Hooks and they took the backpack and then they also removed the leg from his head. He had it strapped to his head and was running down the street. And so they're like, there he is. Yeah, pretty much. You know, drugs must be involved in here somewhere. I'm sure. I am sure you're not, you know, using the money for good. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to yeah, sell that leg and yeah. give it to the homeless. You know, that's not happening. 
there's not um, a lot of brain cells involved in the story either. No, no, there is not. All right. Well, the next yeah. weird news story, we are going to head to out of Oklahoma and we're going to go to Logan, Utah. Logan, Utah, because you're seeing those like the hamster balls that that you put your hamster in and it like runs and rolls around in wheel thing. Oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The balls. Yeah. It's like a ball. So <laughs> there was a the police. There's some, somebody found a ball running, rolling down the street, um, on the roadway at 7,300 Southwest 200 street in Logan, Utah. And, uh, it's going down the road and traffic is swerving and trying not to hit the hamster wheel ball. That's going down the road. And it's a big hamster wheel ball because Gab was inside it, a Guinea pig. And oh. for anybody who knows us, I have a couple of guinea pigs yes, that I do. can't imagine. Like, did it get away or were they like, be free? Yeah. Be free. Running away. <laughs> Run away. Well, if you are the owner of this guinea pig, head to the shelter at 1180 West 200 North Logan. <laughs> okay. All you Loganites, go. Go get, I mean, go get a guinea pig even if you don't need one. Go save that guy. Save the guinea pig. Oh, bless it. Okay. Final weird news story. There's a lot of weird news. Uh, uh, this was only less than half of them, Debbie. Oh. And and it's really this last one. If you guys are eating breakfast Uh-oh. or lunch or dinner, stop, please. Because I'm going to tell you a story about Shirley Wright Johnson in Moore, Oklahoma. Do you know how far Moore, Oklahoma is from me? Not very far. <laughs> Not right very far. Oh, no. oh really? <laughs> Literally like 12 minutes from me. Well, Shirley Wright Johnson was in a grocery store. I would assume Walmart because that's all there are here. It's the closest Oklahoma. one to you. <laughs> and she was with her children and she was in the grocery store in Moore, Oklahoma. And she, her kids were like, we want pizza rolls. We want pizza rolls. So she opens a freezer and she goes to pick up a bag of Totino's pizza rolls. I feel like we're losing sponsorships here by the minute. She picks up a Totino's pizza roll, probably from inside the Walmart. And she picks up the bag of pizza rolls, clutches it in her hand, and yeah. I cannot verbatim say her quote, but you can imagine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I pick up a bag of quote, I pick up a bag of pizza rolls, and there's literally poop. Uh, human and poop. Excuse human. my language. Somebody took a Totino's bag of pizza rolls. No, 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 no. Pooped on it. And then put it back in the freezer, <laughs> squished it up against another Totino's pizza roll. She said, I grabbed the bag, felt something smushy on the bag. I turned it over and there it was. I was upset. I was disgust. You know what? This is Oklahoma. Is I was a lawsuit. This could be a lawsuit thing, right? I she, mean, she could be working on it. You know what? This is uh, DNA. That stuff. DNA. Um, they might have found him already because you know Oklahoma police don't mess around. Uh, she said, "I grabbed the bag. I felt something smushy on the bag, so I turned it over, and there it was. There I was upset. I was disgusted, <laughs> and I feel like I was violated. Yeah." She's- she said the ride home was miserable, even oh. though she quickly scrubbed off her hands. All oh. the way home, this is quote. This is quote. It keeps going with the quotes. All the way home, my kids were still like, "Mom, I can smell it. I can smell it." And I'm like, "I smell it too, baby. It's just disgusting." The only word that I can use is disgusting. 
and horrible. (laughs) (laughs) There are two. That's two words. That's two words. Um, Now, the crack team at the Moore Police Department used surveillance video from the scene, they said, from the scene of the grime. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) They flushed out a man that they identified as a person of interest, and he was booked into the Cleveland County Detention Center on unrelated charges. While the poop probe continues, they said. Poop probe? No. I feel like you could do weird Walmart news just 100%. Maybe Just Oklahoma Walmart news. Oh. (laughs) You could get all your best stuff right down the road. Do you you want to know what else he was arrested for, Debbie? Yeah, what's the other stuff? (laughs) (laughs) So, So this is a man who poops on Totino's pizza roll, puts him back in the freezer. He was also reported taking pictures of women in the grocery store. Okay. <laughs> Why? I don't uh, know. I, especially in Walmart. I don't I know. Sorry, Walmart. Sorry, I just, sorry. I love the quotes from this. I mean, it is just. I love it that you can do it in an Oklahoma accent. It's okay. just disgusting. The only word I can use is disgusting. And horrible. horrible. (laughs) (laughs) That's two words. Thank you. Um, My babies were like, I can smell it. I I love my babies. My babies. (laughs) (laughs) Help my babies in the car. My babies and me, we violated on the way home. I picked up that Totino's pizza roll and I found something smushy in there. And I'll tell you what. I could never eat pizza rolls, much less Totino's. No. No. It's not. Never. it's not something I see your mom buying yeah, and stocking the freezer with anyway, so it'll be fine. Anyway, uh, that is your weird news. news. And Debbie, again, please, you know what? Maybe not that you will be scrolling through news and see something that is weird, but maybe your husband, Tom, will. Uh, yeah. And tell Tom. For sure. Yeah, if he sees something weird. I, I am, I'm issuing a Tom challenge. Okay. Lay it down. I need some California weird news. We get weird stuff all the time. Like the lady who was uh, sitting outside and she had a coyote walk right by and they were like, Hey, here's a puppy. And then they tried to get it. And it was a, it's coyote. Uh, You, I told you that story, right? No. Oh my gosh. No, it's true. My daughter-in-law Jackie is parked in Pasadena and outside an ex crack house. True story. (laughs) Pasadena's beautiful and gorgeous. It's where they have the, Rose Parade and everything, right? It's beautiful. But there are a few pockets where, you know, it's transitioning. Let's call it that, right? So she's like, I'm waiting out in the car, right? And um, and a cop pulls up and he arrests somebody who's living in this back garage of this house. My son was in the house trying to buy it. And they bought it, actually, by the way. Wait, 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 wait. Let me stop you. But, okay. Why is your daughter-in-law is, I know, but I'm going to stop you because it's got, we got weird. See, Ugh. you have your own weird news. I life, do. Life, life, life weird news. Uh, so your daughter-in-law is outside of a crack house. Mm-hmm. Your son is inside the crack, uh, house, crack house trying to house. buy the crack house yep. and yeah, a police officer shows up in the midst of that and arrests somebody that was in the basement of the crack house. It's in the back garage. It's a detached garage. So she had like hold up in this detached garage and he didn't know it. So the police pull up anyway. So Jackie's like, I'm staying in the car, right? Lock the door. I, she's staying in the car. But then she, she looks in her rear view mirror and she sees this 
puppy, like this poor puppy looking at her right, you know, right behind the car, like in the mirror, like she's like, oh, this poor thing. He looks kind of scraggly. He really needs, you know, somebody. She's like, maybe I'll get out and check and see if he has a license or something where I can identify him, you know? So she looks again and then she starts to open the door and he starts to trot away and she's like, holy moly, that's a coyote. (laughs) (laughs) See, I might have read the story. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a weird story, right? She's like, that, this day is weird. <laughs> that all fits in the weird news category. Thanks. So thank you. For- so there's California weird news, but I will lay down the challenge to Tom to find more California fruits and nuts stories. <laughs> you're you're contribute. Yeah, you're a contributor from California now. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. All right, before we end the show, we got to get to the meat of it, which is to have. None other than the great Monty Roberts on to answer your listener questions. So we will do that. Well, let's make the call. I am pleased to have on the show and welcome him with open arms, Monty Roberts. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, spending some time with us. No problem, Jamie. I'm anxious to do it. Well, I had talked to you a week or so, a couple weeks ago, I sent Debbie a video of a horse that was particularly challenging to me. And it was a mare that would, I, she was lovely on the ground, but when I would ask her to go forward, she, when I was on her, long lines are fine. Um, but when I was on her and I'd ask her to go forward, the head would go straight up, the tail would ring and the ears would pin and she wouldn't move forward. So I, I, I gave her some butte for three days in a row just to see if it was pain related. She showed no improvement in the attitude on butte. So I thought I, I gotta call, I gotta call the man, you know, and, and find out. So I, I talked to Debbie, your daughter, and she fortunately was able to pass some information along to you. And then all of a sudden I'm a, I have a FaceTime phone call and you're all dressed up and tell everybody what was happening. Yeah. Well, it, it was so unusual because these people came to the farm here uh, trying to find out what I'm doing these days. They want to do a movie and so forth, and they wanted to know all about it. And I said, well, this this time in my life, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, advising other people about horses rather than going in the arena and doing the horses myself. Um I'm doing a lot more of that. And Debbie said, oh, by the way, uh, we just got a video from Jamie, and she has a horse. And they got to see exactly what I'm doing with, oh, gosh, uh, so many people around the world calling in to say, what do I do about this and what do I do about that? And I saw this horse with his head up and switching its tail and refusing to go forward and it it was so obvious to me that this was a racehorse, and I found out it was, and that they had used stinging whips and uh, maybe even some electricity to move the horse forward. Uh, little they call them buzzers or plugging the horse in, and um, she decided the the best way to fight this is just stop, maybe kick back or switch my tail and just refuse to go forward and then I won't have to run these races and go so far. And uh, so I told you those things and I gave you a series of things that I do with horses that do this. And then I haven't heard how it went. So now I'm anxious to hear 
what took place. Well, I think the, the the thing that stood out the most to me and probably was just one of those things that was a little bit life-changing for me as far as being a horse trainer was you told me that I have to prove to this horse that the world has changed. No one's going to cause pain to her anymore to go forward. No one is going to use force or violence. And and that the world has changed and that's not ever going to happen anymore. So I took that to heart and I spent some time with her in the round pen and worked on really getting her to go forward. <clears throat> and I would cluck to her. And if, if she didn't go forward, I would send the line out at her, <clears throat> excuse me, I would send the line out at her and get her to go forward. And so then I got on her and then I had somebody in the middle use the line, not even have to send it out to her. I would cluck, add my leg and then the person in the middle and would just raise the line up and down and she would trot forward. And then I got a little bit braver <clears throat> and took her into the big arena. And I, another thing you say is the best thing to train a horse is a good quiet gelding. And I have one of those. And so my assistant got on the gelding in front and just trotted off. And I added my leg and I clucked and we trotted off, followed her. And then we went out of the arena into the field and with the good quiet gelding in front of her trotted off. And I added my leg and got her to just trot off forward. And I mean, I did these things a hundred times, you know, but more than a hundred times, just go, just go, just go. Nobody's going to hurt you. You don't have to trot nine hours, just five or six steps at a time. And I would like to report that as of yesterday, she was adopted and is going to Pennsylvania to be a fox hunter. Wow. Oh, that's for awesome. crying out loud. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. So she is going forward better. She is. She is. And I've explained everything to these people, the adopters. Um, actually, the Megan, who is a listener of ours, uh, was the one who adopted her, you know, uh, facilitated the adoption for a student of hers. And so I've explained everything to her and I've told them everything that you said, and they are going to continue with all of the training and they understand, you know, what can happen. And they understand that you do not want to use pain or whips or force to get this horse to go forward. So I, I just, I want to thank you for changing her life. Mm. Uh, well, that's really great. And, you know, if they listen to you, uh, I think things will go very well for them. If um, It's just like human beings, really. If you fail them by giving her another good crack to go forward, because some people think that way, you know. Mm -hmm. If they're abused again like that, pretty soon that's the end. You'll never get it to change. Now, um, if she went through the thing at the track and so forth and so on, and you changed it once, they'll try to go for the rest of their life being cooperative. But boy, you don't want to hit them again or sting them again with anything because they will go backwards and, and never come forward again. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm pleased that we got it done when we did. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really, really grateful to you. And I think I said, Megan, it was Misty that... Uh, helped find her the right home. So it was great. Thank you very, very much. And we have some more listener questions um, because if I tell people I'm going to talk to you, they always, Oh, can you ask him this? Oh, can you ask him this? So I've got a couple, a couple more 
consultations for you to, to take on. Mm-hmm. And um, some of these, I, I know how you're going to answer them because I've spent so much time with you and some of them I don't. And I'll start with the question of my assistant actually first. And she rides a horse that actually came off the racetrack several, a couple years ago and is mine, but she rides him and he's about 16, two at the withers and his croup is about 16, three and a half. <laughs> okay. So he's, <laughs> I know, I'm loud. Okay. he's built fairly downhill and he's a really lovely horse, really lovely mover, but the canter has proven to be quite the challenge as he is very downhill. And so when he is asked to canter, he gets fairly low and heavy and, and fast at the canter. And so we've been doing a lot of transitions, stopping on, you know, it's on the center line, backing up, picking up the canter again, but he just seems to the more tired he get, maybe the, the heavier and faster he gets. So what are some tips for her to get the canter to slow down? Well, um, actually, you know, waiting for the horse to mature properly. How old is it now? He's five and a half. Oh, he's pretty mature. He's going to stay that way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, well, you want to stay in a round pen for quite, if you have a round pen mm-hmm. or a smaller area for quite a while. And uh, I like to put, like I said before, elastic in the reins and let them learn how to bow off of that elastic and start to get comfortable with a rocking canter sort of thing. And if you're out where they can go for it, then they will keep trying to go for it. But if you're in a smaller place where you can get them rocking, they will ultimately become comfortable with the slower pace, and um, and, and it will happen. But Elastic is really good because they'll start to bow off of it so that they don't, uh, you know, get their gums sore or or push into the pain of their uh, bars of their mouth. And um, so I, I think a small place and elastic on the reins would be helpful. Okay, so some side reins throw in there and get them doing lots of transitions at the canter. Yeah, or not just side reins, but even put elastic in the reins that you ride with. Hmm. Okay. And uh, and if you want, you can use two sets of reins so that you have solid reins and side reins in case, you know, he, he wants to really bolt off or something. But you want to be in a pretty small place where they think slow down, slow down, because it's too small here. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, Elizabeth has a question and she says that when she rides, there is one end of the arena that is very spooky. She says that one end of the the arena is very spooky and her counterflexion is amazing on that end. But Mm -hmm. of course that's not what she wants. Her counter what? Flexion. So basically she tries to ride down there and she ends up pulling the right rein while it's trying to go left because she can't get the horse down into that corner. Ah, I see. And what do you think's been in that corner? She says it's actually a pasture. She's turned in out and often, but there is, there are trees in that end of the field and the, the horse is just afraid to go to that end. Yeah. Okay. So we've had that here, you know, we, um, 
Somebody brought us something. What was it, Debbie? Uh, Pigs. Mm-hmm. Pigs. I thought that's yeah. where you were going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they had some pigs down there because we were getting horses comfortable about everything on the farm, you know. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter whether the pigs were there or not. Horses didn't want to go there because mm-hmm. I guess they could smell right. the pigs. And uh, I started putting horses down there in the pens where the pigs were and uh, let them live there for a, a bit. And then they got perfectly fine with the end of the arena. And our end of the arena is good now. We haven't had any pigs in it for <laughs> no. a long time. But things will happen like that. Um, in Germany, I had an end of the arena where they have these tiny little deer over there. They have a funny name in, in Germany for, for them, but they're, uh, you know, maybe the size of a small dog, these, these deer, and, uh, they have a smell to them. And one end of the arena in Germany, uh, is very difficult for the horses. And we put a little pen down there and we put them out for a, a bit in that pen and they become used to the smell in the ground there and uh and then they go down there fine so i think you know l- letting them live there for a bit where they go through even the night uh with the smell of whatever was there before and if there's trees there it was probably maybe deer uh or or something that they're smelling maybe a fox or something like that and uh, you try that, and I think you'll find it, it'll work fine. Thank you. Hannah wants to know, what do you do about horses that get herd-bound? Yeah, what do you do about horses that get herd-bound? Well, uh, herd-binding is, they're looking for a safe place, you know. That's, that's what happens. And generally, it's because you've been too tough on them away from the herd, and then you've let them get back to another horse or group of horses and uh, down goes the uh, violence and they get better. So going into um, a group of horses or a couple of horses and then away from a couple of horses and going back into the group without ever striking the horse uh, away from the group of horses will, will generally help you with that. But you know, getting a horse to cooperate with you uh, means that they won't do things that are uncooperative. And so generally it has to do with over here, I get this kind of um, violence for my backside. And uh, over here, I don't. And they'll go back. All horses want to get in a group. They're herd animals, and that's just what they do. So you you want them to give you a chance to be part of a group and and choose to be with you instead of just the other horses. And uh, the lack of violence will help you a lot. I love this question because I've asked you this before, too, in, in, in a similar way, which is, you know, you go to work your horse. What if they're calling and they're screaming for other horses because they're yeah. so herd bound? And I remember you told me every horse in the demo that I use will call once or twice and scream for its friends. But then 
once you've engaged their brain and you've created a horse that wants to be with you through join up and through proving that you're not a predator, then all of a sudden they, uh, cause I don't have problems with herd bound horses here. They make, show up that way. But once they realize that when we're working, we're a team and when they're like, you're in your demos, they may be calling back to the barn, but then you've engaged their brain. They, they stop that. Yeah. I guess I actually should say do join up with each time I answer this question, (laughs) join up is that business where you're pulling them away from what they consider to be their safe herd. And they're, finding a new herd and uh they they literally like to be with me and one way you can prove this to yourself is that you get several people and that you tell them cheer for the horse and they make noises or something you know one of those rattling things that the kids use or something and the horse will run to you after join up and you give them a rub and walk away and pretty soon you are a part of their life's herd and uh, you you lose that business of them wanting to be herd bound absolutely that's good yeah. we should we should say that join up is a a process in their own language and if people need to know more about that they've never heard the word join up they should uh, go to moneyroberts.com because sometimes we just throw that out there as a something a something that they know but yeah, should, I suppose yeah. you're saying the online university, aren't you? Yeah, or Monty Roberts University, where you can go and get a day pass on there and see what he's talking about. Yeah, because it is important. I had somebody bring me two horses a couple weeks ago, and um, she she said, my daughter was able to achieve join-up. It only took three hours. And oh. I was like, oh, oh no, my word. <laughs> that's, that's not join up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can get a better idea on the university of what it actually is and how to break it down. I mean, it's a very detailed. I mean, the clinic I did at Flag is Up was three days of join up be- yeah. to really get it right. It takes some time. Um, yeah. Now, Jordan says that she has a horse that loves being scratched and groomed, but the second water is involved, even a damp sponge or a washcloth, he acts like you're trying to kill him. And he's gray. <laughs> she says he has a lot of baths in his future and he hates water. How can she make him like water? And another person asks, how can they make their horse like water on the, the head, bathing in the face? Yeah. And um, oftentimes I, I say, if you, if you get the join up thing done and the horse is, is with you, and then you hold the horse with the dually halter or something, and you let the horse bolt away from you when you use a spray bottle on them. And then you put it over your hip, and, and they run into the dually halter and come back to you and spray bottle again until the spray bottle gets to be a sign of comfort for them. And, uh, and they'll come back. And you gradually, all horses will eventually love the water on them, just like we like taking a shower. Um, if you, if you do it properly and join up is a big part of that and going away, they run into the dually halter and come back to you on a loose line. And it, it really does work. And also a a comfortable horse with them, a gelding, uh, generally I say uh, that likes the water and you put them side by side and and spray the water, one will 
learn from the other that this is okay. This is not such a big deal. I do love to another thing that you said before is, you know, a predator never retreats. So by taking that spray bottle to them and then away from them or the hose sprayer to them and away from them, you're proving that you're not a predator because a predator never retreats. So that's exactly. another, another way to think about it for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's see. Jennifer says she has a mare that is pregnant. What is some prep work that she can do to make sure she is, the mare is okay with us coming in to help her and to be able to handle the foal with her while she remains calm? Well, I guess I, I hate to keep saying this over and over again, <laughs> but as soon as you get a good join up and that mare thinks of you as a friend they will invite you in to help. Um, they're in trouble with this pain in, in their body, and uh, they will invite you in to help. It, it, it is very rare that a mare that has been joined up ever causes any trouble during the foaling. They, they want help from human beings, and they consider them to be part of the family. Gotcha. Um, this is a bit of a technical question, but since you are a multi-world champion in many disciplines, I felt like it was appropriate. Um, Rachel has a mare that is very slow. She said very deliberate minded, slow moving, slow reacting to stimulus. And she says, when you try to press her to respond to a cue more quickly, she gets angry or frust or flustered. Um, she says she does very well in horsemanship, but not so great in like ranch riding. She says, we're just not as sharp as we should be. What are some ways to improve the horse's response time? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, maybe this sounds funny, but if you take a whip and you know that I'm not going to tell you to hurt the horse with this whip, but you put a plastic a, a shopping bag on the end of a whip, you will stimulate without pain the process of responding to something like that very, very definitely. Um, not every horse will, will work 100% to this, but 99% of the horses will advance in a go away from this stimulus very effectively with a, a small plastic bag on the end of a whip that is blunt, not a stinging whip, and you don't hit them with it. You only bounce that thing around in the air off their hips and stuff. And they will leave it because it's unusual and because it sounds funny. And then they will get comfortable with the going away process because you get comfortable with that's good. Now you're going. So I, I, I use that a lot and it is very effective for me. I like I, that. Yeah. We finally found a reason to have a whip. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Matty actually told me that for that last horse was to put a plastic bag on the end of my giddy up rope, which is a big yeah. soft cotton rope that causes exactly. no pain. So either that. one of those will work too. Um, how did that, how did that work? I didn't even have to get there. <laughs> I, okay. we, I okay. didn't even get to that point because it just, by proving to her a hundred times that she just had to trot off a couple steps and nobody was going to hurt her, her brain yeah. just reprogrammed yeah. to yeah, like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's it. 
Okay. Lindsay says, and this is a good, great question because I have a certain way that I do it, but I'd love to know what you do. And she said, how do you do join up with a horse that won't move away from pressure? I have a gelding that will just stand when I swing a rope or a lunge whip or anything. It doesn't matter the amount of energy I put into it. Oh, wow. Uh, well, that's unusual, isn't it? Because horses are flight animals and they're tendency is to get away from things that seem to be dangerous. Um, I guess you you know that top pole, training off pressure pole that I use, um, does help you get a horse to move off pressure. And uh, those horses that numb, get numb on their sides and move into pressure, and that's every horse to one degree or another, uh, will respond to the off-pressure training of the top pole. And I, I think we have lessons on that on the Internet, don't we, Debbie? Yeah, we have that on the Monty Roberts University. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that I've had to do, and uh, it was perfect because you just mentioned the plastic bags, is I do get a lot of horses that come in that, like this horse, that had done join up for three hours. And it just... <laughs> doesn't respond anymore. I have one racehorse in that was raced 48 times and was claimed 32 of those. Mm -hmm. So all 48 races, all claiming races, he would go back to a barn and be a different barn. He just, and he's just kind of like blank and numb. And so when I, when I would, you know, eyes on eyes, shoulder square, slap my leg with the line, throw the line out. He'd just go, eh, I don't care. Just, just not very connected. And I really wanted to make that connection with him. So I actually ended up using plastic bags on a stick, which is kind of a, a thing that we use to desensitize. And I was like, whoof, 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 shoo, 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 throw those up in the air. And that got him moving. Mm. And then you were, then I was able to invite him back in. Yeah. There's two, two things, sight and sound. And the plastic bag gives you both really. And oftentimes the horse will not move because of sight. Oh, they've had all these people and they push and they push and I don't care anymore. And then sound is something new. So you can put various sounds uh, into the plastic bag situation and cause a horse to move away from sound because they, you have to go back to the fact that they are flight animals. And if they, feel that there's a chance that something is there that could well, a rattlesnake could bite them or something like that then you'll get them moving away from sound rather than sight um but you try both and the plastic bag is a very good example of both sight and sound mm-hmm. that crunchy sound the the other thing is a lot of people will send us a video and they're intention isn't great either they don't square up they don't look very um, intent on pushing that horse forward so learning body language cues too eyes on eyes shoulder square get those hips aligned at the horse's um, hip you know and move them it's a combination of that and that crunchy sound I think works Mm -hmm. real well Absolutely. This is one actually, Debbie and Monty, that I just did a video on 
on my Facebook page, but nothing compares to, you know, hearing, hearing the answer from Monty, but Eliza, uh, Melissa says she just bought a horse that self loads in a straight load trailer, but will not take a single step backwards to get out. How do I teach my horse to back out without teaching him to not go forward into the trailer? Well, this is an easy one for me because, um, I don't like step up trailers. But how am I going to say that the world is full of step-up trailers now and no ramp on the, the back? And horses hate stepping down and back. They could fall off that cliff, you know, and they might go 100 yards down and get killed. So they, they freeze and they refuse to back up. If you take a shovel... And you make two ditches, one for each set of tires. And the ditch gets gradually deeper as you go down. And you go down until the trailer is virtually level with the ground right at the back. So you back into those two ditches until the trailer is, like I say, down in the back to the extent that it's virtually level with the ground. And then you load your horse and you give them a little cup of grain in there and you have the trailer in a pen or corral or pasture or place where they can't get away and you unclip them in, in the trailer with their little cup of grain and you leave them there. And eventually they will, with their own brain, reach back and feel, where is that ground? Where is that ground? And the ground is there. So they step out. And then you go give them a cup of grain the next day in the trailer. And they walk straight in and they back straight out. But the trailer is level with the ground. So then you move the trailer about two or three feet forward. And the tires go up a bit. And the bar on the back of the trailer slightly goes higher but you only give them two or three inches to step down and then they reach down and step on the two or three inches and a day later or so you move it again and i can take horses that will not back out of a trailer that's six inches off the ground and in four or five days i can have them backing out of a trailer that's two feet off the ground because it's their idea and they get the feeling of it and they feel safe. Um, they'll do anything so long as they invent it and they know that it isn't going to hurt them. I love it. Love it. Yeah. So my arena is about six, eight inches higher than the ground. Cause it's up a little higher for water purposes. So I'm able to back my trailer to the mm. opening of my arena. Now I can't let them go cause it's a, like a four horse with no partitions in the middle. And I don't want them walking in and turning around and getting themselves all hung up. So I do what you did in, in the beginning of even teaching a horse to load, which is one step in, one step out, one step yeah. in, one step out, repeat a hundred times, then two steps in, two steps out. So they learn to go forward and backwards at the same time. And uh, all of that is in your trailer loading videos too. Now, uh, unfortunately I don't have a ramp either. So, but you have to start there to, to have it a level ground in and out. And then eventually, yeah, I take them in. There's a little cup of grain in there. They go, Oh, that's pretty good. 
And then they get a tiny little bit and then they back out. And then they get a tiny little bit, two steps in, two steps out, three steps in, three steps out, and then vice versa. And then eventually I'll pull it forward and, and make it more challenging, just like you said. Yeah, I, I like the gradual increase because yeah. it becomes their idea to learn how to reach down for the ground behind. And you can you can imagine what's going through their brain when they feel like they're going to fall off the earth. I like that. I'm going to have Chad get the tractor out today. <laughs> Dig some <laughs> holes, my friend. Um, let's see. Final question. And it comes from Diane. And this is an interesting one because I really haven't worked with a bunch of off the track standard breads. She says my mare is an off the track standard bread and she is fabulous at the walk, but I cannot get her to settle at the trot. I mean, obviously they're taught to trot a hundred miles an hour. She said, I've tried circles and halts with backing turn on the forehand and then up to the trot. And she just gets faster and faster. And then she'll even sometimes switch back and forth between trotting and pacing. And she says she is 18. She wonders if it's unfair to change her ways. Now, what are some suggestions you would have for somebody on getting a horse to slow down at the trot, especially one that's that challenging and off the track standard bread. Yeah. And that's, that's the same. I'm going to go right back to riding in a small area, uh, a long time at the trot, um, allowing them to come back and realize that they're not in a race now and they don't have to go fast. And it's not comfortable when they do go fast because they're in a small area small round pen or even a square pen doesn't matter so long as it's a, a limited area where they can't line out and go and then i like the elastic on the reins because they'll learn to bow off of it and uh and settle down so it's not much different from the cantering slow and the trotting slow uh, the decreased size of the place you're riding is a big help it is interesting that you say that because when I get these horses off the track, their first rides are in a round pen. And when I'm, when it's time and I ask them to go up into a trot, I keep my hands low, a loop in the reins and just ask them to trot because I think, where are they going to go? You know, I mean, like, so they take off at a very fast trot. They'll eventually slow themselves down and realize that that much effort is not necessary. But it is definitely a challenge to to not, when you ask them to go, to not snatch them up. And that's something I've had to work with my assistant on because I'm like, just leave your hands down and let them have their reaction. And we're, you know, I'm like, where, where are you going to go? So you're in a circle, yeah. you know, it's not going to yeah. be terrible. Well, I, I, that is it as far as the question. Some of the other ones, you know, they're a bit repetitive. Or if we didn't get to yours, I'll try to get to it in the next uh, coming weeks. And uh, as always, Monty Roberts, thank you for sharing your wisdom and knowledge. I feel like I've taken too much of your time already. Not at all. Anytime, Jamie. I'm so pleased to help wherever I can. Well, thank you for, for having that university. And thank you for having the courses and teaching you change the the. Uh, the, the way my life is, you've changed the way I deal with people and horses and humans alike. So thank you very much for everything that you do. And thank you, Debbie, for always facilitating uh, for your dad coming on and, and being a part of the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, Monty. Appreciate it.
Again, Debbie, thank you so much. It was It's just such a thrill to talk to your dad, even after all this time. I hope he's not sick of me. I'm certainly not sick of him. <laughs> he's so not sick of you. He's so proud of you, Jamie. Oh, what you've God. done in this last, um, well, three years, I'd say now, uh, with all your certification and your award from the Queen and what you've done for OTTBs and Horse and Hound and ASBC, uh, off the charts. We're so proud oh. of you. Well, thank you guys for, for being a part of it. And thank you for co-hosting for Glenn. I really appreciate it. I hope you had fun. I did. I did. I always had fun with you. And we were just in Dallas last weekend. So I feel like I'm actually still kind of in your aura here. I know. We're still <laughs> we're, connected. We're still connected. Yeah. I it feels like it. I just saw you. Yeah, it I was fun. It. it was fun to see Chad and everybody too. And Glenn, it was it was really fun in Dallas. Just to give you guys a little backstory here, uh, some of you may have seen the photo that was posted of Debbie squeezing a briar horse. So oh. <laughs> there's there's a, the, the the table, you know, the whole thing is kind of sponsored by briar and they won the visionary award and all this stuff. And, and so each centerpiece was a briar horse and everybody gets a ticket and they draw the number and then somebody wins the briar horse. Well, there was one girl at table, not me, who really yeah. wanted the briar. And so like, Everybody gave their tickets to her. And I was like, Glenn, I want the briar. Give me a, why are you not loyal to me? And so, <laughs> yes, I, so I have my ticket. Debbie has her ticket. And this girl has everybody else's ticket. I, I didn't guess. even know that, by the way, because I sound like awful person when you say <laughs> <laughs> Well, De guess who wins the briar? Debbie wins the briar. And I was like, if anything, I'm going to get this briar because you, she, she should be loyal to me. And she's like, no, it's mine. I'm keeping it's it. Mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you said, what did you name it? Mine. That's yes. no, it's, it's the mean. truly unsurpassed. I think the incredible truly unsurpassed is the briar beautiful. horse that I have. Beautiful, beautiful briar yeah. horse. Not well, giving you my briar. I'm oh. not like unhappy at all. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so our loser. I know. All right. Love you. Mean it. Thank you very much. And thanks to George for producing. You guys go check out all the shows on horseradionetwork.com, including Debbie's awesome show. And you guys had a, what, what's on this week? Cause it looked really, really good. Tell everybody. Horsemanship radio. Uh, we have, uh, we just put out Denise Heinlein in the last two with dad talking about healthy stables and talking about being fair to the horse. It's they're really good. They're really good. Everybody should listen to those. 190 and 191. Um, I love my sponsors, Hands on Gloves. And yeah. um, I always like to tell everybody, um, you know, to give us give us any um, bodies that you think would be really great. And everybody should listen to Retired Racehorse Radio, too. That's Jamie's other co-hosting gig. It's really good. And I think we're just working in the same circles, girl, because we have that transition horse program that, you know, we're just finding is it just sings with us. You know, it, yeah. it's like, why didn't we think of this earlier? Right. You did. <laughs> uh, well, it, I, I, thanks to all the right horse and ASPCA for getting the ball rolling on that, of course. But uh, all right, everybody have a great day. Thank you, Debbie. Appreciate it. Thanks, George. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Spay, neuter, and geld. Happy horse hours. <laughs>